Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to In Transition, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you for joining us once again this week. Today, we will speak to an expert in storytelling, that very topical piece of communication that is everyone is now talking about the importance of it. But we'll, we're going to speak today to Gabrielle Dolan, who is really leading um, the world in the practice of storytelling, not just uh, in the private sector, but in the public sector as well. But Gabrielle has um, a fantastic career in communication, both internal and external communication, where she's worked with Accenture, uh, Spark in New Zealand, Australia Post, Telstra, Ericsson, Shell, Bupa, the ANZ. That role at the NAB was as a senior manager in communications dating back to 1988 through to about 2005. But on her journey, she has discovered the power of storytelling and that's what she does day in, day out. She teaches people how to communicate effectively through the power of story. And she joins me now. Gabrielle Dolan, thanks very much for joining me in Transition. Thanks, David. It's good to be here. So storytelling, it really is, you know, as Paul Keating used to say, you know, every galah in the pet shop's now talking about uh, storytelling, but it's something that you've been focused on now for a number of years. Yeah, it is. It's um, Look, I, as you sort of said in your bio, I left the NAB in 2005, so I've been doing this, teaching leaders how to tell storytelling for over 12 years now. But um, it is certainly the buzzword. The last couple of years, it certainly gained momentum. And there's a lot of people talking about the importance of of using story in business to get your message across and to influence people. So how do people do it well? How do they do it well? Yeah, we could spend a lot of time on how they don't do it well. Um, how they do it well is there's a couple of really important things you need to do. And the first thing is you have to be really clear on what your message is. Um, I find a lot of people, when I'm trying to teach them how to use a story and they're, they're struggling to come up with a story, it's because they don't have real clarity around the message they're trying to get through. So they either can't articulate the message or they've got three or four messages they're trying to get through in one story. So the first rule is you need to have one message per story. And then the, the second thing is, you know, your stories have to be authentic and relatable and it's just trying to find the right story that matches your message. So there, there are a lot of things that can go wrong with storytelling and, and that's why I spend a lot of time actually giving leaders the skill to do it well. So just in terms of that, so do you go to that issue of what's the message or even perhaps before then, is there the step where you're helping people or working with people to understand their purpose perhaps or, or the vision of what they're trying to create? Yeah, it's, it's not... Um, I do spend a lot of time on what the message is. So, for example, when I go into organisations and, and either do a half-day training or a full-day training program, and it's normally to roll out the company values or the new strategy, and then it really is spending a bit of time saying, well, what what does this mean to you personally? So you could have a value of integrity, but what does it actually mean to you? And until people are clear on what it means to them personally, 
it's quite difficult to come up with a story. In the end, the story is the relatively easy bit to find. Getting clarity on the message is sometimes the hardest. So in terms of what you know, looking for those messages that, that you're trying to communicate, what are the most um, topical or typical sort of stories that people um, are trying to tell in, in that corporate context or even in a government context? Yeah, look, what I, sometimes when I get a call from the client, it's saying, can you come in and help us with our strategy story or our brand story or our, you know, we're going through change and we want to come up with a change story. And I actually say there's there's no one story that does that, but it's how you can skill the leaders so that they're sharing their own personal stories to get to get the message across. So you might be rolling out um, a significant change across government or across a, a company and the messages you have to give to each team will vary. I mean, you know, some of the same change messages might be the same, but how the team is going to respond will be different. So each leader needs to think about, you know, what, what are the key issues for their team and what are the messages I need to get across and how a story can help with that. Yeah, so that context obviously is really important, isn't it, is, is to really think about the audience and how they're feeling and thinking about whatever it is that you're about to talk about because that's obviously going to have a massive impact on, on the effectiveness of whatever it is that you're going to tell them after you've understood what that context is. Yeah, absolutely. And when you see storytelling done badly in, um, again, in government or organisations is when they believe that, you know, the marketing department or the corporate affairs department can come up with one or two stories and everyone just shares them, that, you know, storytelling by scripting and getting everyone to learn the story and just share it doesn't work because, of course, it's not going to um, be relatable to, to the most of their audience. How difficult is it to to teach the skill of, of storytelling? Because it sounds quite a nuanced skill that you've got to develop over time. Yeah, you do have to develop it over time. So I, I am, um, you know, like I said, I've been doing this for over 12 years. I've, I've got a pretty proven process that I, I know without fail I can take a group of people at the start of the day coming in thinking I don't have any stories or even I'm not really sure if storytelling is something for me to use to the end of the day, them sharing some, you know, really powerful stories because it is, I actually take them through quite a logical process that gives them the, um, you know, the competence to do it. And in the training, they've all shared a story and they've received feedback from me and they've actually experienced the power of story from hearing their peers share stories. Okay, so we, well, we don't have half a day, but we do have no. a bit of time to go through it. But how about we we start the process? So, so what's step one? How, how do we get going on this storytelling journey? Yeah, step, step one is to be really clear on your message. So, again, in, in business, you've got to be saying, well, what is my message? You know, a lot of values around doing the right thing. So, I, you know, I, the first thing I say to people will go, well, what does that mean to you? What is it? You know, not, not what it means to the company, what does it mean to you? And they might list a few things like doing the right thing means respecting people, doing the right thing means um, taking people's, you know, different views into accounts. That They will list three or four things what it means to them and then I say just choose one of them. So choose one of those messages because if you're trying to put four messages into a one story, it loses its effectiveness. So helping them get really clear on the message and then... The next step is how do you, where do you find a story? And one of the simplest ways is to say, well, what does this feel like outside of work? If you want to go to a personal story, what does, um, you know, respecting people feel like outside of work? 
And then people come up with stories about their kids or when they were a kid or, you know, a story about their friends or whatever. Okay, I'm interested in that sense of try going outside of work. What What's the significance of finding a story outside of work as opposed to a story inside of work? Yeah, so the stories, are, the work stories are still effective, but what they normally, they don't normally have any um, personal connection with them, so no emotional connection or engagement. So one of the examples I often cite is um, working with a woman who was the head of risk and her biggest problem was that every time risk was raised as an issue, the business unit she supported would all say, well, that's your problem because you're the risk manager. (laughs) And nothing, yeah, and nothing was changing. And she'd sort of say to me, it doesn't matter how many times I tell them that I can't manage their risk for them, that they have to manage their risk. And she she also said it doesn't matter how many business examples. So she would provide them with lots of business examples of business units that didn't manage their risk and the consequences and the ones that did and the, and the good things that happened. But all these business examples weren't having any impact. So she shared a personal story. Um, would you like me to share the story? So you're Yeah, 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 for sure, yeah. yeah. So, so this is the story. So she went through the process about, you know, risk management. What does this feel like outside of work? And this is the story she shared. She said, when I was a kid, I grew up on a farm. And growing up on a farm, there was all these dangers we needed to be aware of. But mum would teach us what to do. So we knew what to do when we came across a spider in the timber heap. And we knew about all the potential traps in the dam after heavy rain. And we knew what to do if we came across a snake in summer. And I remember this really hot day, mum was yelling at me to get my bike from the front gate. So I ran down the path and then I just froze because in front of my bike was this massive copperhead snake. But I remembered everything mum taught us to do. So I played statues and I slowly walked backwards until there was enough space between me and the snake and I ran back to the house to tell mum. And I'm sharing this with you because it reminds me of the role we play in risk. All I can do is give you the skills, knowledge and advice so when you come across your own copperhead snake, regardless of what that looks like, you will know what to do. Ah, very good. Okay, you've got me. Yeah, so the personal story, as opposed to all the logical business examples where it stays in logic, the personal story taps into a personal emotional connection which helps the listener Um, You know, as your listeners heard that, they might be thinking, well, does that help me understand the role of a risk manager better? And normally the answer is yes. And and not only helps me understand the message, but I will absolutely remember it and I'll be able to retell it without losing its meaning. That's the thing, isn't it? That you would, that copperhead snake moment becomes then part of, uh, you know, the story of the organisation. So people can then relate to each other to say, that was my moment. So that then can become yeah. more meaningful to a wider group of people. Yeah, and it's more those day-to-day stories that become more meaningful to a wider group of people. And also, look, the reason you're sharing, you're trying to tap into emotion and get people connection is to drive behaviour. So Rosemary would say that after she shared that story, um, they, they, they were fully accountable of what, why they needed to take control of the risk. And when they started talking about risk, they would say things like, have we identified all our potential copperhead snakes? The story drove behaviour and drove decisions, which is actually what you're trying to achieve when you're influencing people. And how hard was that to find the Copperhead Snake story? Yeah, look, it was pretty hard. So a lot of people hear that story and go, oh, well, that was, that's really simple and easy. But like anything, anything that looks easy, it's normally uh, quite complicated. And we started with, you know, what's the real message you want to get across? And 
risk management and what does this look like? And I knew she'd grown up on a farm, so I sort of said there must be lots of examples of that. Um, and, you know, she's talked generally about her mum, but then I said give me a specific example. So that's the other thing. You've got to provide a real specific example, um, which brings in that emotion of sharing information. And then, and then we work through the process of how you start it, what you put in the middle, what you leave out of the middle, and most importantly how you end it so it's on message so people actually get it. Okay, well, there's quite a few steps just there, but we might just yeah. sort of dial back a bit to the to the specific example and then perhaps the, the way that you tell a story. What, what's your advice to people once they've found their copperhead snake story then to understand then how best to deliver that, de- deliver that in, in a way that's going to have impact? Yeah, look, my advice is, especially when you're starting out, is to write your stories out. So you write them out and then you, you practice them. Um, writing them out will then help you think, actually, there's too much detail, I need to get rid of that, or, or um, it, and it's there, you, you've got a record for it. But there, it's really important to practice it so you um, nail, especially nail the ending so you get your message across. And, and you know, a lot of people think, oh, if I practice it too much, it won't come, will come across as scripted or rehearsed, and, that, and that's not the case because when you're sharing a personal story, you, you don't just retell it, you actually relive it. And again, that's the power of sharing a personal story in business, that the emotion is often visible. And, and when I say emotion, I'm not talking about people crying. It's just you can see it. You, you can see pride or you can see fear or you can see anger, but you, you see it. And what about supporting materials to be able to uh, deepen the impact? You know, how important is it to to have slides or videos or audio or, or other, you know, media-rich uh, resources yeah. to help you? Look, it's not, it's not critical. I, I think a story, a well-told story can stand alone because what the story can do is paint a picture in your audience's head so you don't need any visuals. But but sometimes if you've got a prop, it, it, can, it can add to it so it can be powerful. I mean, you know, if you were sharing a story about when you were a kid and you won your first, you know, race and received your blue ribbon, you know, if you've still got your blue ribbon, you could bring that in to really add impact. If you're um, giving a presentation and you've got your slide deck, when you get to the point where you're sharing your story, um, you could be sharing a story about when you were a kid, you know, you could have a photo of yourself up there. So so they they do work together, but it's not critical to have the additional visual. But it's an option though, isn't it? And, but it is o- an option. But, but yeah. obviously the key thing is, is that you don't want any... Uh, visual device that you may be using to be working against your story in any way. Absolutely. Well, that, that's, you know, regardless of when you're using a story or not, you don't want any visual device to be a distraction. Um, and, you know, that, that's why there's I'm, – I'm really up against the poor use of PowerPoint because often we use PowerPoint to help us as opposed to helping the audience. So, yeah. And, and I guess that's the good thing about storytelling. It's, it's um, you can take it anywhere with you. You know, you can use it on a teleconference. Um, you don't need the props or the PowerPoint to, to do it because it's your story. And once you've got it and once you've rehearsed it, you'll never forget it. 
Now, the story that you told there before was a very simple, easy-to-access story, and there, mm -hmm. there seems to be, you know, in lots of the literature and discussion around storytelling that, uh, you know, Joseph Campbell's, you know, the hero's journey, that every story follows that arc of, you know, you, know, you set out, you identify whatever the challenge is, and then, you know, you have to cross the, you know, the valley of darkness before yeah. you get to the other side where there's somebody to help you and then, you, you know what I mean? There's all those yeah. various steps and it becomes quite complex really when you're trying to, trying to tell something quite simple. But if I'm following the hero's journey, um, sometimes maybe it's it, not every story is a hero's journey. No, no. And look, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the hero's journey concept with storytelling. Um, I mean, I get I get it why it's important if you're making a Hollywood movie, but if you're just <laughs> sharing stories in business, because what happens when people think I need I need to have a hero's journey, it, you know, it needs to be a struggle and it needs to come out and there needs to be a great climax at the end, um, we dismiss 99% of our stories. So that that's when people come to me and go, I don't have any stories because I'm just normal because they're thinking it's got to be these, you know, really big stories. But the day-to-day -day ones are the most powerful. And once, and part of the training with people is helping them realise that the day-to-day -day ones are the really most powerful ones. They're the ones that people relate to the most. Um, once people realise that, they realise their life is rich in stories and they've, you know, they've got a whole heap of stories they can, they can draw from. Why do you think that that whole movement to the hero's journey has got such momentum behind it because it's it's everywhere when, when you, you're in this corporate to, uh, storytelling space. I think because the hero's journey around storytelling has been around, well, it's been, been around for, you know, probably thousands of years, um, but it's also the the process people follow when, you know, they're writing books or creating movies. So I think when people think storytelling, that's what they think. Um, and because storytelling in business is so new, relatively new, it's trying to educate people to say it's not about that. It's just about the day-to-day -day stories. But, yeah, as storytelling is becoming more popular, I find, um, you know, 10 years ago I had to convince people on the power of story. I, I no longer have to convince people on the power of the story. It's now it's convincing them that it's it's not the hero's journey and it's it's just the everyday stories that are the most powerful. But if your story doesn't need a hero's journey, what mm -hmm. does it need? What What are the essential components that must be there to have resonance? Yeah, look, one of the things, look, it needs to have emotion in it, but but even, again, your day-to-day -day stories can, can tap into emotion. The fact that you're actually sharing a personal story in a business format um, makes it more relatable. So, I mean, you, you still want it to be intriguing. You don't, I mean, you don't want it to be a boring story, but it doesn't have to be climbing Mount Everest type story, but there's still got to be enough intrigue where people are with you and thinking, I'm not sure where this is going, but it's interesting enough for me to, to stay with you. Right. So there has to be some element of conflict or or challenge because otherwise it's a story and then I did this and then I did this and then I did this, yeah. which, as you say, yeah. is, well, that's, you know, yeah. not much good to anyone. That. No, you just don't want a process of, yeah, I did this, I did this, I did this. And also when you're sharing stories in business, they're really succinct. So my, my rule is about one to two minutes 
So again, um, the shorter they are, the less likely people are going to be bored and start losing engagement as well. That word emotion is a is a challenging word in in the business context, isn't it? Because that sort of suggests a degree of vulnerability that perhaps people in the workplace are not prepared to share. How do people understand, you know, what's appropriate emotion and inappropriate emotion? There's a real push to more um, authentic leadership, and authentic leadership about is about showing vulnerability, and you know bringing your whole self to work. So, you know, sharing stories about your kids or sharing stories about the struggle you had as a kid um, really taps into that authentic leadership and showing vulnerability. There is... The vulnerability isn't about, um, you know, letting it all hang out and, you know, talking about your deepest, darkest fears and <laughs> secrets and fantasies. And, and it's also, you know, it's also not about sharing something that is so raw and so emotional that when you share it, you, you, you break down and can't carry on. So we don't want to get to that either, but that is, we are a long way from that. Why is that so important in, yeah, look, in, in building teams and, and building yeah. high-performing teams? Yeah, look, I think the days of the leader, because they're the most senior person, you know, has to be bulletproof and have all the answers, is, is long gone. And I think... Um, you know, I, I talk about I think Gen Y is forcing us to lead differently, and um, and it's not it's not just Gen Y, but we know we know people respond to vulnerability really well. It, it humanizes leaders, and the more senior leaders get, the more they need to do this. So, um, I was actually running a workshop last week, and and someone said, you know, what's this real push to showing vulnerability? And and she's noticed a difference. And I said, would well, have you started to do it? And she goes, yeah, I've started to show vulnerability and, you know, use a, even use a little bit of self-deprecating humour because every time I show vulnerability afterwards, people come up and say I really related to, to that. And it was like, so she goes, I keep doing it. And I go, well, and that's the power of it. It's people are realising, leaders are realising that people respond and connect and relate to leaders showing a more vulnerable side and not sitting up there, you know, expecting them to have all the answers. From your experience, where would you say that we sit on the maturity scale in terms of a, a general comment about leadership and embracing this notion of authenticity, vulnerability, storytelling to create connection? Where are we on, on that scale? Look, I, it, it depends. It really depends uh, by culture, and what, what I mean by culture is in the in the company as well as in the country. So I think um, Australia, New Zealand, New Zealand audiences are re- leaders are well advanced on the authentic leadership space. They um, and I think again because the lead the people they're leading are responding well to it. I find in some organisations. Um, you know, I've had an inquiry just the other week from, a, you know, the department, you know, a department, an organisation department, the military, and they want to bring it in. But again, it's such a hierarchy that I'm not, you know, I'm not sure if it will work or not. They, they're convinced it will, but it's um, a hierarchy of people just being told what to do. So, and perhaps vulnerability there is seen more of a weakness as it, than it is in other countries or other companies. And even I'm finding I'm doing a lot more work in Asia and it's the perhaps the more hierarchical cultures um, 
that find it a little bit more difficult, and I think because Australia and New Zealand are not that hierarchical, that, that people are stepping into it better. Do you, do you have to be vulnerable in your storytelling? You've got to have that. You've got to, yeah. I believe the really good storytellers are prepared to show vulnerability. And again, it's there's all levels of vulnerability. Just you know, admitting that you were scared is showing vulnerability. Admitting that you made a mistake is showing vulnerability. So, it's um, again, the the, the whole concept of vulnerability. We think of being the worst part of that, but it's actually. It's a, I'm a massive fan of Brene Brown and she talks about vulnerability as our greatest sign of courage and strength to be able to show it. Yeah, that's a that fantastic um, YouTube video, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's in, the, I think, one of the top ten most YouTubed or TED Talks, the top yeah, ten TED, TED Talks. Yeah. Yeah, and it is moving away, getting people away from the fact that um, not seeing vulnerability as a weakness but seeing it as a strength. Now, you, you, in a couple of your earlier answers, you made the point about the importance of a strong ending. Mm-hmm. Why is that so important? <laughs> you also don't want to be telling people the moral of the story. So storytelling's um, quite a respectful way to communicate and you should allow the audience to get the message. And if you've... If you've done the ending right, um, nine times out of ten they will get the message. So the biggest mistake leaders make is because they're used to telling people what the message is and they're used to reiterating the message several times and so they end their story by telling people what they should take from the story and reiterating the point over and over again and then you've just lost them. So how do you ensure that your ending has impact? What has to be there? to make sure that it lands? Yeah, look, there's a couple of things. It's, it's got to be quite inviting. So instead of saying, you know, the moral of the story is, it's inviting them into the ending. So um, things like uh, imagine what we could achieve if or just think wouldn't it be good if or even I invite you to consider. Um, so not telling them what to do but inviting them to, you know, think this way or accept this way or feel this way. Um, it should also always be inclusive, so always using the word we instead of you. So imagine what we could achieve. Um, and, again, like I said before, just, just respectful, not, not telling them over and over again what you want, want the message to be but allowing them to get the message. So, Gabriel Dolan, just in summary then, what are your sort of top tips then that would help them um, to improve uh, their storytelling and to make that their leadership uh, within their groups more impactful by, by becoming a better storyteller? Yeah, okay, cool. Um, look, I, I think the some, so to recap some of the things we talked about, be really clear on your message. So one message, one story. Um, be absolutely authentic. We haven't, we didn't talk about this, but you, you do not make up stories or use other people's stories and use them as their own. So your stories have to absolutely be authentically true. Um, tap into your day-to-day stories as opposed to some of your bigger life events. We, you know, again, still can be powerful, but the day-to-day ones can be really powerful and, and you've got so much more of them. Um, be succinct, so one or two minutes. So, again, in business, it doesn't matter how interesting you think your story is, if you're going, you know, three, four, five, six minutes, people will be thinking and sometimes saying, get to the point. And um, I guess finally, just have a variety of stories. Just keep thinking 
um, you know, where could I, you know, could I use a story for this and and keep thinking of new stories and and coming up with a variety of them that you can start to use. Fantastic. Well, Gabriel, thank you so much for spending a bit of time with us today. And on behalf of the audience, can I thank you for that uh, masterclass in storytelling? Because I think the more people understand the power of story uh, in the way that they communicate, the more effective that they'll be uh, in their in their jobs. And certainly yep. in government communication, we need to become better uh, in our communication to underpin a strengthening of our communities and to improve the well-being of citizens. So I think it's a skill yep. that needs to be um, learnt. And I, I think that's another point I'd take away from the discussion is that it's really a, a skill. It's not yeah. a, you know, it doesn't necessarily, you're not born as a great storyteller. No, it's something that no. you can learn. Absolutely. A lot of people go, oh, you know, some people are natural storytellers. They're not. That's a skill they've invested in. It's, so, you know, some are naturally better than others, but it's an absolute skill that we can all learn and get better at. Yeah, excellent. Okay, well, thank you very much for joining me once again. And to you, the audience, thank you very much for dropping by for a short part of your week this week. Fantastic conversation there, I think, with Gabrielle and really so many valuable insights that you'll be able to take away and build in. And so why don't you just take a bit of time this week to practice? Next time you're going into a meeting, find a story, make the point that you want to make and see how you do with that. And then try it again and again and again, because as Gabrielle's just pointed out, it is a practised skill. So thank you. It's bye for now. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. For more, visit us at contentgroup.com.au.